Welcome to the MWC Church Podcast. MWC Church is a place where you can belong, believe, and become the person God's created you to be. Thanks for joining us online. Welcome, so glad you're here. Hey, can we give one more hand to our Chi Alpha students for just how incredible they are? So you... You may not be aware, but every Tuesday, I, uh, I, I go to the Radigan Student Center, and uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm the, the interim Chi Alpha pastor. So every Tuesday since like last June, I've been meeting with the students there, and uh, it's just, we get all, we, all of us get together. There's about 30-ish of us, and we spend time in prayer, and we worship, and I'll share a little message, and uh, God will speak to our hearts, and, and we'll go get like Applebee's afterwards and hang out, and it's an incredible ministry, and uh, I love every single one of those students because they, they genuinely have a desire to see the Lord move in their, in their gatherings, but to also see God move on their campus. And uh, I, I'm believing, like every time I'm there, I just feel like the Holy Spirit, like just do something inside my soul. He like he wants to break out onto that campus, and he wants to reach students who have, are far from him, and he wants to change lives, and those who have their identities wrapped up in things that, that they're not called to have their identities wrapped, and God wants to bring deliverance and freedom, and I'm so glad that as a church, for over 10 years, our church has helped more than any other, any other uh, giving or uh, contributing ministry, we have been the ones that have pioneered and have put our money where our mouth is when it comes to reaching college students on the campus of WSU. And I'm thankful for that partnership moving forward. And we are going to see much, much more in 2019. God is going to reach so many more college students on that campus because of our faithfulness, because of our giving, our contributing, and because of our support of students like these. So can we give them one more hand? They're just awesome. They're awesome. Um, I want to just really quickly introduce, so we got Michaela Cyphers. If you just want to, she's, she's the one, I, I told her earlier today, she's, I, mean, I was like, Michaela, your voice is just rich. It's like, I feel like you need to have a glass of wine and a tin of caviar up there, because it's just like, just so scrumptious. It's just a rich voice. And then we, Jacob was here, uh, that, that, he's, he's an awesome, he's a cool guy. He's a really cool guy. Uh, one, one of the, like, one of the most, like, if, if it's okay if I can say this, you're, you're one of the ghettoest guys I've ever met, and I love you for that. Like you shame my like my South Chicagoness, and I and I love you for that. Um, and then and then uh, jazz. Everybody everybody say hi to jazz. Uh, Jasmine Garcia, her sister Jocelyn also sings, and they're just an incredible duo. Uh, Jocelyn is sick; she she came ill. But uh, Jasmine, uh, I say her voice is just soul, like it's just straight up soul. And uh, man, I am blessed every Tuesday when I gather with these students. And uh, you know, it's it's been one of those things. Like it's it, it, it's it's hard. It's hard because uh, God has called me to this church, and and I, and I want to throw myself completely into the ministry of this body and casting vision and raising up leaders and equipping us for the for the work of the ministry to reach the city. But then. But then I, I love Chi Alpha. Like, I, I love those college students, and I love WSU, and, and I know God has not called me to be the full-time Chi Alpha pastor, and, and I've been operating in that in over, like, what, nine months? Like, my wife hates me. She's like, I never see you anymore. Go change a diaper, right? Like, uh, no, no, she, she's completely supportive. We, we went in this together. Like, we're in a hard stage of life. Like, we got three kids uh, the age of three and under. That's crazy. That's crazy. Um, but, but she's super supportive, and she, she, man, she wishes she could be 
be with me, but she lets me do this. And uh, it's on one of our days off, but, but it's, it's such a great thing. And I've been praying like, Lord, I, I love this ministry. And I know I'm not the one that's called to, to be the one that throws myself fully. I'm meant to be the one that supports the person who is and, 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 and values them and, and breathes life into them. But uh, can, can you begin raising people up? Can you raise somebody up, Lord? So we've been praying for the, the person that God has called to that ministry full time. And uh, we've yet to find that individual, but, but God did raise somebody up. Um, so how many of you know when we pray, God answers? So we've been praying, I've been praying, God, would you at least bring someone to help burden or, or carry the load, someone to lift the burden, someone to, to help alongside me, to, to plow the, 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 the mission field that you called this to? And he's answered that. I want to introduce uh, Laura Holdeman. Laura Holdeman, are, are you in here? Yeah, Laura and Andy, if you guys want to just stand real quick and wave in the back. Uh, Laura and Andy, give, give them a hand. So Laura and Andy Holdeman, they, they actually were members. Andy was a member of this church like years ago, almost like a decade ago, right, Andy? What's that? More than a decade ago. Yeah, Andy was a member of MWC Church, and uh, we actually went to college together, just a, a crazy thing. I remembered them. They didn't remember me. Andy is actually somebody, fun story, he actually saved me after I got a concussion snowboarding, and he forgot about that. Like, he was my hero. I was a damsel in distress, and he lifted me up, and... Uh, yeah, he forgot about that because he just saved so many lives, but uh, Andy was my hero that day, and he forgot about me, and I'm like, dude, I'm the one with a concussion. How did you not remember this, but whatevs, but um, yeah, Andy and Laura are incredible. They, they went to Bible college with me, and uh, God has, they, they were actually missionaries at Missouri, or Michigan State University as Chi Alpha pastors, and then somehow the Lord, the God of the universe, the God who knows the beginning from the end, the God who, who guides the steps of his people, we, yes, we may make our plans, but the Lord ordered our steps. He ordered their steps here to MWC Church to help ease the burden of, of their pastor. And uh, Laura is going to be joining me at a much greater capacity in this next semester to lead, help me lead and steer and guide and direct the vision, the direction of what the Lord is doing at WSU. How many of you are thankful for a God who hears prayers and provides supernaturally? So just so thankful for that, so thankful for that, and uh, man, he's going to do some great stuff. Uh, I, I asked Kai Alpha to come because at the end of our service, at the conclusion of our service, yes, we're in the Daniel fast, and yes, we're, we're talking about prayer and fasting, and uh, we're going to be talking about how, how, how fasting and prayer brings breakthrough, but at the very end of our service, everybody say, at the end. At the end of our service, we will take an offering for Chi Alpha because uh, winter retreat is coming up and we want to send students, even though they're rolling in the dough and college students have tons of money to spend uh, on winter retreat, we want them to hold on to their money and we as a body, as a church, want to send them to winter retreat to grow closer to God, to hear their calling, to see the Lord's hand, the the hand of confirmation over their lives. So we will take up an offering. I ask that you uh, just get ready for that at the very end, but uh, at the very end, at the very end, we will do that, okay? Uh, another thing, last thing to celebrate, so the countertops are in, the cabinets are in, uh, the, 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 the subway tiles on the backsplash of the, of, the, of the cafe area is in. It is looking beautiful back there at the uh, renovated area and enhanced MWC section. Um, and we have been praying and praying and fasting and fasting for all the things that God is going to do through Enhance MWC. I am believing that, that through our efforts, through our sacrifice, through us breaking the mold and doing things that normal churches don't do and 
and believing in faith and trusting in God and, and casting crazy vision and supporting that vision, I believe God is going to do some tremendous things. He's going to transform lives, change entire families and generations through our sacrifice, through our giving, and through our support of what's happening back there. I promise you now, mark this date, mark it, is it the 12th, January 12th, 29th, is that, Katie just like, yeah, maybe, it sounds like a good day, what's today? The 13th, thank you, Pastor Justin, our executive pastor, give it up for our details here. Um, yeah, you heard it first, January 13th, 2019, God is going to do tremendous things out there because of our sacrifices in here. Because we've been praying and believing God is going to do some incredible things. And, uh, you know, just on Friday, it was me uh, and I took some of the ladies from our staff. I took uh, my wife, Katie. I took my sister-in-law, Lisa, Pastor Justin's uh, lovely wife. I took Lisa, my sister-in-law. And then I took Brooke Case, our new kids pastor. We all drove to Ikea in Kansas City. And guess what? I never checked a weather report. Never did. I'm like, Wichita is looking great. Let's get out of here. So we got in the car. I'll, I'll share that in a second. We get in the car at like 6 a.m. We're, we're ready. We're picking people up. I think 7 o'clock is when we left. We stopped at, a, at, a, at Smoothie King to pick up a smoothie because Daniel fast, right? So can't do coffee. So we, we got a smoothie and we're driving. Uh, by the way, meal replacement smoothies at Smoothie King. I feel like I need to get some endorsements here. I'm like, they need to just pay me in smoothies, McDonald's, golden cupcakes. Like, <laughs> oh, goodness. Uh, but anyway, anyway, I'll just bring up all the food that I've talked about in the last month. But um, so we get in the car, we're driving, and, and, and we're shopping. And, and I'm, not, I'm not like the best shopper, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good. Like, I, I was fasting, and I feel like the Holy Spirit gave me, like, the ability to be a Chip Gaines. So I was, like, just, just bringing decor together, and the ladies were like, this is really good. Good job. I'm like, I'm crushing it. And I'm just, like, pull, picking things, and the Holy Spirit was upon me, right? And uh, I was able to just, like bring great combinations of stuff. And uh, we were getting these, like, I'm going to say this word, don't take my man card. We got a lot of cute stuff for the nursery, for the preschool room, and uh, even like some decor for the cafe room. We, we, we got a couch and in a 15-passenger van, me and four ladies, and one of the couches wouldn't fit because we couldn't get the chairs out. So I was like, all right, audible, here we go. Ready? The bear's lost. I'm going to call an audible. Like, uh, let's go ahead and take the couch out of the box and just like piece it inside of there. And we got everything from Kansas City to Wichita, but it took us like five extra hours because it snowed like, it didn't, it didn't even snow. Like this was a blizzard from Kansas City all the way here to Wichita. And then I get to Wichita and there's nothing. It's so disappointing. Uh, but but, but I'm, I'm driving, I'm driving in these blizzard conditions and I'm from Chicago, right? Like, so, so I feel pretty confident driving. Like I remember 15 years old, my dad takes me to a park in the middle of snow. He's like, you're gonna learn how to drive in the snow today. I'm like, all right, let's do this, right? So he's like, I want you to hit the gas and then I want you to slam on the brakes and yet you need to learn how to get out of a, a tailspin. So, or not a tailspin, a, a, you know, when your car fishtails, right? He's like, you, you gotta figure this out. So he taught me all these things, pump your brakes, don't overcorrect because overcorrecting is bad and, and, and I'm driving. So I feel pretty confident. I'm like, if anybody is qualified to drive in the snow, it's me, right? So, so uh, a little overconfident. And there I am driving. And I'm like, man, these people uh, do not know how to drive in Kansas. So I'm going to pass them because uh, everyone's going 30 miles an hour in uh, an 85, you know, it's, it's like 85 mile per hour, right? Uh, speed limit. So, so I pull over to the left, or I'm on the left and I'm passing. But I realized something. It's not that Kansas drivers are bad. Forgive me. Right? I've, I've said you guys are just bad drivers. Uh, there's always a pileup, like 50 cars on Kellogg. You're not bad drivers in, in, in these horrible conditions. It's the fact that nobody plows. 
Like, they don't just believe in, they don't believe in snow plows. And if they do, it's only one side. I realize this. So only one lane on 35 is plowed. And I'm on, I'm on the right side of the lane, right? And I'm, and I'm trying to pass people. And uh, I got, got to a point where I'm like, okay, I, I need to get back into the right lane. And I'm turning my steering wheel. And I'm not going right. And I'm just like smiling at my wife, like, everything's all right. Don't worry. Nobody panic. Nobody panic. And instantly, I'm like, instantly, I'm thinking, these are like moms of, like, I've got eight children. In my, I'm like, oh, man, I, I better get us to the right. And I'm turning right. Nothing's happening. And I'm like, don't overcorrect. Don't overcorrect. Just coast. And then I hear the strips. I'm like, oh, Jesus, dear Jesus. People are flashing their lights at me as I'm passing. And they're, you know, one guy honked. And, and eventually, I, I get over to the right. And I think my knuckles are still white from just like gripping that steering wheel so hard. And uh, I, I'm there and I'm, and I'm just like terrified. I'm trying to play it cool in front of the ladies like nothing happened, but a lot happened. Um, my, my seat is wet a little bit. <laughs> and then all, all, all out of nowhere, I see some lights flashing. And it's not those ones that you like. It's the ones that instantly you're like, la migra, la migra, and you start running, right? Like, uh, so I, I'm terrified, right? It's the cops. It's the cops. FYI, I, I, I love our boys in blue. I support them, but, but uh, I'm, I'm a little afraid of cops. Like, I'm, I'm just from South Chicago. It's just the way, it's the way it works, right? So I got, I got a phobia. The Lord's working through that. I love, I love them, but, but there, there I am. I'm, I'm getting pulled over, and I'm already like, this is it. They're sending me back to Mexico. Katie, I love you. <laughs> I'm born in the USA, and I'm thinking, like, that's it. I'm done. I'm done. I'm out of here. I'm out of here. Like, I'm just scared. I'm just scared, right? I'm like, there's no reason. I'm, not, I'm going 30, mi- 30 miles per hour in 85. There's no reason why his light should be flashing. And there's a part where I wasn't stopping. I'm like, I'm not stopping. I'm not going to stop here. Like, like, there's no reason why he needs to pull me over. And Kate's like, you got to stop. I'm like, nope. It's probably somebody up ahead. And eventually, I, I, I go to the left to try to let him pass. And he's like, nope, you're going. He like, gets next to me. He's like, no, you're going over. I'm like, oh, it's for me. It's for me. So I stop. And I'm, I'm, I'm looking for my birth certificate and stuff and pulling things out. And he comes alongside me, the nicest cop I've ever met, just a really, really cool guy. He's like, license and uh, insurance. He's like, what do you guys got in here? And I was like, just ladies and nothing but a Kia furniture. <laughs> All right, everything pans out, right? Like, he's, everything looks good. And uh, he, he's like, is, is there a reason why you... Um, or, you know, I'm thinking like all these lights are flashing at me and everybody's honking at me. And I don't know if they're just upset that I'm passing them or what's going on. And he, and he looks to me and he's like, you got a problem. And I'm like, well, what's the problem, officer? And he's like, um, you don't have your taillights on. You're driving in these horrible conditions and you don't have taillights. And I'm like, I've never had to turn taillights. I've never turned them off. So I, I don't know what's going on. And he, and he reaches into the dash and he flips a switch for me and he turns the taillights on. I'm like, my headlights are on. I don't know why, if the headlights are on, why aren't the taillights on? Like, why, why, why does this not work? It works in my car. And he's like, well, let me just fix this for you. Have a good day, get out of here. Are you illegal? No, no, no. <laughs> and, then, and then he gets in his car and he drives off and uh, I, I get back, I, I get back on the road. But, but how many of you are thankful for the people that the Lord sends to help solve problems? That, that we serve a God that when problems arise, when we, have, when we have obstacles facing us, we serve a God who brings answers and solutions to every obstacle we will ever face. I promise you right now, if you are up against a wall and you feel like there is no way you can scale it, I serve a God who says he will give us the power to scale any wall. He will allow us to overcome every obstacle. We serve a God who desires for us to be overcomers. We serve a God who desires for us to experience breakthrough in every 
every aspect of our life. So if you feel you've been struggling with sin or you, you've got a stronghold or if you've always been a gossiper, or if you've always been a slanderer, or if you've always been someone who, who's insecure, I'm here to tell you no matter what sin, no matter what experience, no matter what stronghold, what addiction, God desires to bring breakthrough. He does absolutely does. That is the God that we serve. It's not one of these things where we, we get saved one time and then the Lord pats us on the head and, and just you know, rubs our, our, our hair together. He's like, all right, get out of here, kid. I saved you. Now it's up to you. No, no, no. He's the God that he saves us once and then he leads us through this process, leads us through this process known as, ready, ready for this? Sanctification. Everybody say Sanctification. It's, it's a big word, simply means this, the process that God takes us on, the process that God takes us on to become more holy. How many of you, when you got saved, like, sinned, you never sinned again? I'll wait. None of us, right? Everybody in this place, after we've gotten saved, we have sinned again. That's just the way it is. But it doesn't mean we have to continue to, to live in sin and, and continue to give ourselves up to sin. But, but we are all in a process where the Lord is, is refining us and making us more and more holy to become more and more like Jesus. So if you're here and you're not a Christian and you are offended that Christians aren't perfect, man, that's like going to the gym and getting mad at people who are trying to get in shape. Like we're, we're, not, we're, not, we're not saying we're perfect. In the eyes of God, we are perfect. Can I, can I just stand? Okay, so, so we are in a process of sanctification, but the moment you get saved, the moment you identify that you are in desperate need of a Savior, that you are, are, are dead in your sins, and that you can only live through the sacrifice of Christ, that there is only one way to be saved, and it is through Jesus. The moment you come to that realization that you confess that with your mouth and believe that in your heart, the moment you are saved, I'm here to bring you good news, when God in heaven looks down and sees you, he no longer sees your sin, past, present, or future, he sees the righteousness of Jesus. And in that regard, we are perfect. The, the perspective that God has from heaven to look down on humanity, when we accept Jesus, yes, in the eyes of God, we are perfect, but we are still in a process where he makes us holy. It, it, it's almost like, it, it almost doesn't make sense, but, but I promise you, we are justified in the eyes of God. We are perfected in, in the image of Jesus, but we are on a process to become more holy. Look what the Bible says. In Romans chapter six, verse 19, Paul says this, previously... So before you were justified by Christ, before you gave your life over to Jesus, the Bible says you let yourselves be slaves to impurity and lawlessness, which led ever deeper into sin. Now, everybody say now, this is the point after salvation, now you must give yourselves to be slaves to righteous living so that you will become holy. You must give yourselves it's a process. You must continue day in, day out, not just a one-time experience at an altar when someone prayed for you or at a campground when you were young. This is a continual experience of saying, Lord, I, I, I'm giving myself up to be a bondservant or a slave to righteousness so that you will make me holy. It's a process. Everybody say process. We are in process. Sanctification, the process God takes us on to be more holy. Look what Hebrews chapter 10, verse 14 tells us. For by one sacrifice, one sacrifice, he has made perfect forever 
perfect forever, forever, forever. Those who are being made holy. For by one sacrifice, the sacrifice of Jesus, and our reception of that sacrifice of Christ, he is forever, he is forever made perfect, those who are being made holy. So when God sees us, he sees perfection. But that doesn't mean we've attained complete holiness. We are still in process, amen? So in Christ, God views you as perfect, but you are also in progress, simply put. In Christ, God views you as perfect, but you are also in progress. I bring this up because I want you to understand something this morning. I believe that there are all of us in this place because none of us have attained perfection. I, I gave you a chance to make that confession. Nobody lifted up their hands. Everybody in this place has just confessed that they are in progress and they haven't achieved at least moral perfection, right? God, God is in the process of, 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 of bringing us there and we will see that when we see him face to face, right? But every single day we are being sanctified. It's kind of like, you know, when, when, when you're working on the body of a car and there's a scratch there and, and some require more buffing than others, right? Or, or kind of like if, if you download software, then you have to also install that software. I'm trying to reach everybody in this room right now. Um, you, you download it and you think you're done. It took like two hours to download that software. Now it's going to take like six hours to install it. It's exactly the same way. When we are saved, we are installed with perfection, but then we have to upload that into our lives, and that is the work of the Holy Spirit, but it is our daily surrender to that. You need to surrender. It's not something that just happens by accident. It's not something that happens in time. There are some of you that have been serving Jesus for decades, and can I just be honest? You're still the same jerk you were back then. So it's a, da- it's a daily surrender. You need to bow that knee and surrender to come to the feet of Jesus. That's why Jesus says, if anybody would come after me, what does he say? You must deny yourself, pick up your cross, and daily follow after me. We are in progress. So if you are living in a sin, an addiction, a bondage, alcoholism, Drug abuse, drug use, anger, lust, impurity, pornography, any, any kind of addiction, any, anything, any stronghold in your life. And all of us have very different ones, right? Like for you, it may be, uh, man, you are just so insecure. Maybe you've got so much anxiety and, and, and you can't find freedom from that. I'm here to tell you that today God has given us the resources that we need, the tools that we need, that we don't have to live in that sin, in that addiction, in that bondage, the things that have held us down. That's not our plight to carry for the rest of our lives. Our God wants to bring deliverance. And I'm here to tell you two things. He wants to bring freedom from those things through two tools he has given us. You ready for them? Prayer and fasting. Fasting and prayer. These are the two tools God has given us to experience the freedom, the refinement, the, 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 the ability to step away from that and step into the light that he's called us to live in. So, so I, I want to tell you that God, yes, he gives us every tool that we need, but it is a surrender. And the way that we surrender for him to do that work in our lives, to bring freedom into our lives, is through prayer and fasting. There is no other solution. There are no amount of self-help books that you can read. There's no amount of self-discipline that you can try. It's the simple 
reality of humbling yourself in the place of prayer, knowing that you're speaking in faith to someone who cares for you, loves you, and wants to bring you power, the only person who can, and this idea of fasting, which is simply put, it's, it's just humbling yourself in the presence of God. That is the only way you can get enough power, enough energy to overcome them, but some things are harder than others to overcome. Is that, do, do, we, do we understand that? Some things are hard. Some things are, are just big and difficult and some addictions and some things are, are, are tough to overcome. But it doesn't mean God wants us to stay in them. We don't throw up our hands and say, well, I'll never get free from this. It's, it's the way my dad was. It's the way my grandfather was. They were all drinkers or they all talk this way or, you know, I, I'm just old. I'm stuck in my way. No, 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 no. We don't, we, don't, we don't talk like that. We don't believe in that. Jesus delivers and he restores but some things are strong, and I'm, and I'm going to say this, and I don't want anybody to freak out, but this is just the biblical truth. There are some things that are demonic in influence. And Jesus says this in Mark's gospel, chapter 9, the very end of that passage, 21, verse 21. He says, some of these things can only be casted out. Some of these demons, some of these strongholds can only be casted out by prayer and fasting. That's it. Some strongholds in our life and I'm gonna say especially those that are demonic can only be removed or casted out by prayer and fasting. So, you know, so although, um, you know, we're, we're gonna talk about the demonic here in a second, and, and I know ears perk up and eyes are like open wide, and uh, I, I know that there are two extremes when it comes to demonology or talking about the demonic, and, and I, I promise you we're gonna talk more about Jesus than we will about demons any day, but uh, especially today. But, but I, just wanna, I just wanna bring some clarity when it comes to uh, demonology. There's two errors that I most often see when I talk to people who wanna discuss this. The first error is this. Some people believe that everything is demonic, right? Like, like man, you, you go to bed and you got a little rumble in your tummy, oh, that demon, oh, that devil. I'm like, no, you you just, you, just, you just plowed a huge burrito from Chipotle. Like, that, that's what's going on here, right? Like, like everything is demonic. And, uh, you know, you, you go to the store and you're just like, oh, the, de- the demon of, of commercialism. No, everyone's just spending money, right? Like, just, like not everything's a demon, right? Um, James 1, 14 and 15 is pretty clear about this. Right? Some people use the, the, the demonic as a, as, a, as a way to not take any ownership of their sin. They'll say, oh, it wasn't me, it was these demons, right? Like, But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Each person is tempted when they are dragged away by crazy demons. No, their own evil desires. You have a flesh nature. You have a sin nature, and our responsibility is to yield that over to Jesus so that he can cut it off, right? And after desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is full grown, gives birth to death. So so, so there is a reality that James is bringing up here is that, that not every time you give over to temptation is that a, a direct result or a direct attack from the demonic. Sometimes it's just your, your, your flesh, your sin nature. So that, that's, that's one extreme, everything is demonic, and the other extreme is this, nothing is demonic. You know, I, I just believe in science. I don't, I don't believe in that. I believe in science, right? Like, like if, if I can't prove it, I don't believe it. If I can't see it, you know, demons were just fairy tales to try to get people to behave, and now we don't believe in that because we're in a, a science age. Everything is, is, is figured out by reason. If, if I can reason, then I, 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 don't, I don't need to believe in that, in that fairy tale garbage. No, that's, that's, if you were gonna be a follower of Jesus, you can't throw your hat into that, into that argument. We need to believe that there is 
a demonic force, that there was a Satan who caused the fall. Him and a third of the angels fell from heaven and, 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 and wandered through this earth. And then they, they, was there, they were there at the garden, or Satan was there at the garden. He was the reason why Eve, like he tempted Eve, and Eve gave into that temptation. And, you know, like, like that, that is, that is the, the biblical narrative. We, we need to believe that there are demons. Uh, Ephesians chapter six is very clear. For we, look what it says. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. So how do you know, then, if your temptation or if your struggle is, is demonic? Really quickly, I just want to give you four things just through my studying of the Word of God and from my uh, understanding of theology. How do I know if my spiritual attacks are demonic in nature? One, if the temptation feels impossible to overcome. Like, it, like some things, we're just like, no, that, I'm not, what, am, what am I doing? That's, that's dumb. If, I, if you can easily cut it off and you're just like, nope, that's not for me or, or I'm not going to talk that way. I'm done with that. Uh, that that's usually a fleshly desire. But if, if it feels like that temptation is, is impossible to overcome, like it's always there, it's always on the mind, it's, it's something that you, that is usually a sign that it is a demonic attack. The second one is this. The temptation when left unchecked leads to bigger sin. Satan's desire is to bring you further and further into the trap. He wants to pull you deeper and deeper into whatever mess you are trying to avoid. So if, if you see that there has been natural progression from, from bad to worse, right? Um, like, like this doesn't satisfy the urge anymore. Now, now I need to go deeper or, or just, just talking about people is not enough. I, I, I need to, whatever that is. Like that's usually a sign that it is demonic in origin. The third one, you have regressed, and this one's important. You have regressed from feeling guilt to no longer feeling any remorse. A sign that it is a demonic attack is if, if your heart has become hardened to whatever it is you are sinning in. The fourth one, instead of confessing your sin, maybe you used to confess that sin or you used to look for accountability, and then after so many tries and attempts of, of finding freedom from that, you're just like, I guess this is my plight in life. That is a sign that it is a demonic attack. Instead of confessing your sin, you bury it and justify it. I was, I was born that way. It's, 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 what my, it's the way my parents were. It's what my dad did. It's what my mom did. It's, it's, just, it's just the way I am. Or, or, or I, I, I can do that because of this, this, and that. These are usually signs that you are, the, 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 the attack that you are having is demonic in origin. But I'm here to tell you, we serve a God who is greater than any demon. We serve a Savior who came to us when we were worshiping demons, when we were enemies of God. He came to us and delivered us, and he desires to continue to bring deliverance into your life. Your plight in life is not yours to carry. God wants to ease your burden. He says, come to me, all of you who are tired, tired and heavy burdened, and I will ease your burden, and I will give you rest, right? Like, like God desires to bring freedom. He desires to bring rest. So, so what you are experiencing today, I, I'm, I'm here to tell you the breakthrough God has for you can be found through prayer and fasting. I promise you the, the, the breakthrough you're looking for can be found in prayer and fasting. No software can do what prayer and fasting can do. Or is that a tool? Yes. But prayer and fasting will bring deliverance. I wanna read Mark chapter nine together. Mark chapter nine, verses 14 through 16, we're gonna see a story where Jesus says just that, that some things are too hard 
for you to try to just will on your own or to use your own power, your own strength, and some things can only be overcome through prayer and fasting. Mark chapter nine, let me give you the context really quick. In Mark chapter nine, Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Sounds like the beginning of a joke, but it's not, right? Jesus, Peter, James, and John. Peter, James, and John were one of the 12 disciples, three of the 12 disciples. They were the inner circle. So this is the group that walked most closely to Jesus. He loved all of his disciples, but he also had an inner circle of people that he confided in, Peter, James, and John. So they went up with Jesus to Mount Hermon, um, which every time in the ancient years, whenever somebody would go up to a mountain, it was usually to receive from heaven. They, they felt that the closer they were to the sky or the further they were from society, the more the presence of God was there. So they, they go up there, Peter, James, and John, and Jesus, and they don't know why they're following Jesus up Mount Hermon, but they get up there, and the moment they get to the top, they're looking around, they're taking it in, they're, this is beautiful, and they turn around and they look behind them, and lo and behold, Elijah and Moses show up. And they're like, oh my goodness, right? Like, they're just fangirling crazy, like hardcore, because Moses was like, like, this is the guy who gave us the Torah. This guy, this guy's the bee's knees, right? Like, and then Elijah, he never died. The Lord, the Lord just came down and picked him up in a fire chariot, and here he is, like, he's got spinners on his fire chariot. Like, he's looking good. Like, they're just like super excited, like, oh, oh, uh, and Peter pulls out his autograph book and, and gives it to Moses, and Moses signs it, and then, and then James is a really weird guy, and he, he lowers his shirt, he's like, just sign my chest. I love you. I love you, Elijah. And Elijah gives them an autograph. And, 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 and uh, they're, like, they're like, Jesus, do you see this? And they look over to Jesus, and you're not going to believe this. They look over to Jesus, and the same glory that he has in heaven is now here on earth, on Mount Hermon. And they're like, oh, they couldn't even recognize him. I mean, he's, he, the Bible says that, that his clothing was whiter than any bleach you could ever find. Like, I don't know why I would say that. Like, I think, never mind. I'm not going to make that joke. Somebody would have sent me an email. Um, his, his clothing is as white as snow, dazzling. Like, his eyes are just beautiful. Like, this is the glory of, of heaven, and it's, it's on Jesus. And then they're just like, oh, my goodness. Peter's like, hey, l- let's do something. Let's set up some tents so you guys can stay up here forever because now the Lord is inaugurating the kingdom. Elijah's here. Moses is here. The greatest, like, our, the son of God is here, our Messiah. He's already inaugurating his kingdom. And, and, and right when they say that, you ready for this? A cloud descends, and this cloud with a booming voice, it is the Father, it is, it is Father God, a theophany. He speaks out and he says this, this is my son, whom I love, listen to him. It's the greatest concert they've ever been to. They're loving life right now. They're like, this is incredible. And right as they're celebrating, they look around. Elijah's gone, Moses is gone, the cloud is gone, and Jesus is, is, is back in the natural and they're like, what just happened? And Jesus is like, don't talk about what you experienced right now until my resurrection. Now let's get to the story. As they, Jesus, Peter, James, and John, approached the other disciples, they came back from that incredible high. They saw a large crowd around them, around the other nine. 
And some scribes, so the scribes were the spiritual elite. They were the ones who knew the word of God better than anybody. They were the ones who were, who were quick to point out when somebody was wrong in bad theology. They were the one in Sunday school class who would laugh under their breath because somebody didn't know a scripture or didn't know somebody. They're the ones who would always raise their hands and make everybody else look foolish. These were the, the scribes. And the scribes, they're, they're, they're arguing with the disciples. Do you want to know why? Because the disciples tried praying for someone and they couldn't cast the demon out and now the scribes are there to convince them why they're wrong. And just by the way, scribes lived in Jerusalem. Where they are in Mount Hermon is about 25 miles north of, of where they should have been in Jerusalem. They are now following the ministry of Jesus, trying to prove Jesus and his disciples wrong. They are the naysayers. They are essentially what we will call today the trolls. They are the critics. They are the ones who are trying to make them look like fools. And they're debating and they're arguing. And I'm just going to say this. One of the reasons why I believe they couldn't cast out the demon was because they were so focused on their critics that they lost sight of the mission. There are times where, where you are rendered useless because your eyes are so focused on trying to prove yourself right that you are not following the mission God has set in your life. So there they are arguing. The whole crowd was very surprised to see Jesus, and they ran and welcomed him. He asked the scribes, what are you arguing about with him? He's, Jesus knows, but he's Jesus, right? Jedi mind tricks. He asked the scribes, what, what are you arguing about with them? A man in the crowd answered him, teacher, I brought my son to you. He has a spirit that won't let him talk. Whenever it brings on a seizure, it throws him to the ground, and then he foams at the mouth. He grinds his teeth, and he becomes stiff. So I asked your disciples to drive the spirit out, but they didn't have the power. Jesus, I'm desperate. My son has experienced the greatest demon he's ever experienced. It's the greatest stronghold he's ever had. And I, and I, and I brought him to your disciples but they didn't have the power. Oh, that nobody would say of us that they were seeking Jesus and that they came to one of his disciples and they walked away empty-handed because we didn't have the power. That's exactly what's happening here. But let me ask you, did the disciples, is that statement true? Well, it's true in the sense that they couldn't cast out the demon, but I'm here to tell you that they should have had the power. It, it wasn't like, like, like they, they didn't have that level, like there was a certain level of their Christian faith that they needed to reach in order to cast out demons, and they just haven't reached that level, and they needed the true sensei to come. and, and to No, we, we believe that, but that's not what the Bible teaches. Why? Because if you study Mark in its context, Jesus has already given them power and authority to do that to do the very thing that they could not do. In Mark chapter three, so a couple of years earlier, a year and a half earlier, Mark chapter three says this. Then he appointed 12 of them, Peter, James, John, you know, all of them. <laughs> I'm not gonna go through that. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them his apostles. They were to accompany him and he would send them out to preach. Is that it? No, 
verse 15, giving them authority to cast out demons. Jesus already said, you have all the power and authority that I have. I give it to you so that you can extend and, and, and expand the mission that I have. It's not just for me to do. It's not a, a, just a one-trick pony. It's, it's all of you. Greater things than these will you do, right? Like He's literally commissioning them to do the mission that Christ is doing. Jesus isn't the kind of person that's like, hey, just watch and see this. He's like, no, 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 no. Watch and see for the first time, but then you go out and do. You go out and preach, and you go out and pray for the sick, and you go out and cast these demons out. So he's given them authority, and you know what? They were pretty successful. Mark chapter 6, so before our Mark 9 story, and he called his 12 disciples together and began sending them out two by two giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. So the second time, Mark tells us, they had the authority. Christ had already said, you have the power to do this. Giving them authority to cast out evil spirits. Verse 13, and they cast out many demons and healed many sick people, anointing them with oil. So you tell me, when they go to Mark chapter 9, and there they are, and they can't cast out a demon, and the Father says, your apostles had no power. That's a true statement in the sense that they couldn't cast out the demon, but they were given power. They were given authority, and yet they were rendered useless. Why is that? Why is that? Because apparently, they had taken for granted the power given to them, or had come to the realization or the belief that it was inherent in themselves, that they didn't need to depend on God anymore, that it was just their own power. It was now theirs to attain. So they no longer depended on God for their power. They're like, we've done it before. Now we don't need you, God. We can do it on our own. And how many times do we do that? I was so dependent on you, God, when I I couldn't pay my bills. But now that I got a job, uh, I don't need to pray anymore. Things are peachy. Or I was so hungry for you. I was so dependent on you, God, in that season of my life. But, but now that things are a little better, I, I, I'm okay. The Daniel fast, January, oh, yes, Lord, but then, I, then, then I'm done. Listen, you and I, if we are going to experience breakthrough this year in 2019, if we are going to have the healthiest marriages we've ever had, if we are going to experience the, the, the greatest year of, of raising children up, of, of seeing God do ministry in our lives, of seeing the Holy Spirit move in our services, we need to come to the realization that it's not us. We can't muster up enough emotionalism to bring the Holy Spirit into this place. It only comes through one way. It is through humbling ourselves in his presence. And I'm here to tell you, if you need specific breakthrough for something in your life, for a bond for a stronghold, whatever it may be. Christ gives us the power and the authority to drive that out, but it only comes through prayer and fasting. Because when we pray and when we fast, we humble ourselves and we come to the realization, we come to the grips of reality and say, I need God. I can't do this on my own. I'm not smart enough. I'm not strong enough. And if you feel that you are, that is called pride, and God is not going to use you. The Bible says that pride comes before the fall. The Lord says he is near to those who are humble-hearted, that he hears the prayers of a contrite spirit. There's a promise that if we pray and if we fast, He will do powerful things. He will do powerful things. 
I want to quickly finish reading this Mark 9, 19. Let's pick up in our story. So they couldn't cast out the demon. And look what Jesus says. Jesus told them, you unbelieving generation, how long must I be with you? I mean, he, this, is, this isn't anger. This is brokenheartedness. How long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring him to me. I, I've given you the power. I've given you the authority. I'm trying to use you to advance my mission for the entire earth. And, and here you can't just cast out a deal. Like, like what's wrong? Why, why are you so prideful? Why is your faith so weakened? Bring this child to me. They are so off mission and off focus and Jesus is frustrated. I sincerely feel that Jesus wants to say the same to some of us this morning. I'm not trying to beat anybody up, but I feel the Holy Spirit would say to us, have we forgotten why we exist? Have we confused the purpose, the reason for why he saved us? Have we gotten so preoccupied with other things that we have drifted off of the mission God has for us and for the church? Culturally, I would say yes. I look around and not just and I hate to make these broad, sweeping statements, but I look at the American church and sometimes I see that, that we have gotten off mission. We're more concerned with the bottom line, the bottom dollar, if we're in the black and the finances. And, 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 and I'm saying this is something that I struggle with too. Is our church growing? Is, where's finances? And it's like, have we, have we stopped thinking about discipleship? And how do we return to that place? Prayer and fasting. How do we get back on mission? Fathers, your, your purpose in life is, one of your functions is to be a breadwinner, but that is not your calling. That's just a job. That's a function that God has given you. Moms, same thing. We're just not breadwinners, we're, we're disciplers. And how do we get back on mission? Well, Jesus would say prayer and fasting. So they brought the boy to Jesus, and when the spirit saw Jesus, it immediately threw the boy into convulsions. He fell on the ground and kept rolling around and foaming at the mouth, and then Jesus asked his father, how long has this been happening to him? And he said, he's been struggling with this demon since he was a child. The spirit has thrown him into the fire and into the water to destroy him. Pause really quick. Now, I just wanna, I wanna be absolutely clear what we saw here up until this point was an epileptic seizure. There are some who believe that anybody who has epilepsy is a sign of a, of, of a demon possession, and I'm, that, that's, that's horrible, horrible theology. The way that we know this is not just epilepsy and it's actually demonic in influence is because that demon is trying to destroy this child. I've had people come to me say, Pastor, I feel like I'm demonically possessed. And I'm like, have you tried killing yourself and, or, or, or this and that? And oftentimes, no, I'm like, you're just, you're just seeking attention. You, you're not possessed by a demon. Get out of here. Go repent to that. It's pride. But this kid was because a demon was trying to destroy him. Not just once did he fall into a bathtub through an epileptic seizure. No, no, no. Every time. It was casting him into the fire or into the water, trying to kill him. And then the father looks to Jesus and says, but if you're able to do anything, have pity on us and, helps us and help us. Jesus told him, if you are able, everything is possible for the person who believes. Do you believe that this morning? 
Everything is possible for the person who believes. The deliverance you're needing, the breakthrough you want in 2019, everything is possible. And with tears flowing, the child's father at once cried out, I do believe, but help my unbelief. There's an aspect that that I I still retain. I I believe, but there's something that I'm holding back. Help me in that area. And Jesus is faithful. That's a a, a positive confession right there. I'm confessing that I, I, I need your help. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the unclean spirit, saying to it, you spirit that won't let him talk or hear, I command you to come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit screamed and shook the child violently, and it came out. One of the most graphic scenes in the Gospel of Mark, the boy was like a corpse, and many said that he was dead, but Jesus took his hand and helped him up, and he stood up. Listen, Jesus wants to bring his hand upon your hand and bring life back into whatever it is that has brought death, whatever bondage, whatever demon, whatever attack that you've experienced, that you've just given yourself freely, that you can point back to and say, I've been struggling with this since I've been a boy. I've always been this way. And Jesus steps into the scene and does what, unfortunately, his disciples could not do. And he says this. When Jesus came home, his disciples asked him privately, Jesus, why couldn't we drive out the Spirit? You gave us power. You gave us authority. It's not like you you changed the password to access that power and authority like like what you do when you share your Netflix account with someone and you don't want them on your queue anymore. You change the password and they can't have access anymore. Jesus didn't do that with the disciples. That was a joke. But... Jesus didn't change the password for them to access the power and the authority that they needed to cast out the demon. So he told them, this kind can only come out by prayer and fasting. Why? Because when you pray and when you fast, you humble yourself to a place to receive the power that God desires to bring. When you fast, you are giving authority back to God, and in turn, he rewards you and honors you with power. When you fast... You are telling your natural appetite, something that is not sinful, not only can I not eat this now, I won't eat this now. You are taking power back. When you're hungry, uh, I'll give you an example. There are times where I'm like, mmm, Chick-fil-A sounds delicious right now. I'm driving a Chick- I'm driving a Chick-fil-A and I will eat a Chick-fil-A sandwich, pepper jack cheese, you know, some good fries, some, and, and uh, Arnold Palmer, please, right? Like, and a six-piece nugget if I'm really hungry. I'm just giving myself up to whatever my natural appetite is, my, my natural desire. That's not sinful, but uh, it, it's, just, it's just a natural desire. But when you fast, not only are you taking power and control from your natural appetite, but you're doing the same to the sinful appetite. I, I don't need to live that way. Man does not live on bread alone, but on every word of God. I, I, don't, I don't need this. And you know what? After a season of doing that, a season of emptying yourself and filling yourself up with the Spirit of God, you have a new power to stand up against demons and attacks that you thought that you were going to give into forever. Sleeping with your boyfriend, living in adultery, viewing things you shouldn't be viewing, talking in ways you shouldn't be talking. God gives us freedom when we reclaim authority and give it back to Him through prayer and fasting. If at any point you thought this Daniel fast was an option, like I, I'm not, I'm not going to force you to fast. I couldn't do that if, even if I tried. 
I guess I could, but I'm not. But I want so much freedom in this church and so much deliverance for your life, and I want us to see us shake this city. When I read the Bible, how many of you believe in the Bible? How many believe it's the authoritative word of God, that we can trust it? How many of you believe that when we read the book of Acts, God desires for us to see that as well, that he wants entire cities to come to Jesus? I believe in that. And the only way that happens is if we humble ourselves to the place of prayer and fasting. We need to pray. We need to fast. Every example that we see in the Bible of people fasting, of people praying, God moves in your personal life. If you need deliverance, pray and fast. God will bring deliverance. If you are in need of a job and you're like, man, I, I can't seem to find a job. Things aren't a lot. Pray and fast and see what God will do. I promise you, he will move. Colossians chapter 3, verse 5. I want to read this to you as we conclude. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires, greed, which is adultery. The Bible tells us to put to death those things, mortify them, kill them off, starve them out. How? Prayer and fasting. How do you find that breakthrough? Prayer and fasting. Now, I know we're all at different places, and some of us maybe have medical conditions, and I actually spoke to someone who came to prayer on Wednesday who is on a medical condition. She's, she's I don't want to get too deep into what's happening, but it's, it's, it's not exciting stuff. It's some scary stuff. She is still choosing to fast some things. It doesn't have to necessarily be food, but, but pray and fast with us and see what God would do. See what God would do. On Wednesdays, we pray for the next couple of weeks, next week and the week after that. Come and pray and see what God would do. I know your schedule's busy, but how badly do you want God to move? I'm not talking about emotionalism. I'm talking about the Holy Spirit moving in your life. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verse 14. If everybody wants to stand really quick. Second Chronicles chapter 7, verses four, starting in verse 12 through 14, it says this. If my people who are called by my name, this is the Lord speaking, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And I would add, there's no better way to humble yourself like fasting. If my people who are called by my name will humble themselves, pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. I will hear from heaven, forgive their sins and heal their land. That's a promise we can hold on to. God wants to bring healing. God wants to bring deliverance. God wants to bring breakthrough. God wants to, to bring provision. God wants to do things that you can't even imagine. The Bible even says that no eye can see, no mind has heard, no ear or no, no mind has conceived the great things what God had of the good things God has in store for his people. God wants to do good things. And the only way we can make ourselves readily available is through prayer and fasting. If you haven't started with us, jump on. 
jump on. If you feel like it's impossible, talk to someone and say, I want to do this. Don't do it alone. Confess that to someone like, hey, I want to do this. I want God to move in my life, but I really have very bad self-control. Those golden cupcakes, man, I just give myself up to those all the time. Tell someone, confess that to someone and say, let me do it with you, right? Like, hopefully you got some good friends be like, let's do this together. If not, I'll be that friend. I'll be like, let's do this together because I'm already doing it. <laughs> but pray and fast. Come to prayer on Wednesday. I promise you, God will do some great things. He's a good father and he's calling you to come into his presence. All around this place, can we just lift up our hands? Holy Spirit, we need you. God, we, we desire for you to do powerful things. Church, would you repeat this prayer after me? Holy Spirit, I need you. I long for you to do powerful things in my life for your glory so that Christ can be glorified. Bring breakthrough. Bring deliverance. Tear down strongholds. I give you freedom, Holy Spirit, to do what you will in my life, in my community, in my workplace, in my school, wherever I rest my head and take my feet. We love you, Jesus. We need you. Father, you see our hearts, you see these hands. Lord, I pray in the name of Jesus that you would speak to us. Holy Spirit, would you move among us? Father, would you speak to hearts to join in on this Daniel fast? This isn't something we're doing to, to get the best bod we've ever had. We're not doing it for the diet or the fad. We're doing it because we want to draw closer to you, the God of the universe, the God who loves us and cares for us. So, Father, I pray right now that you would speak to hearts. If there is anybody who has been on the fence wondering whether they should do this or not, I pray that you would throw them completely over to jump in so they can experience all that you have for them. And Father, if there's anybody who's already in the fast, I pray that you would bless them like never before. God, that you would encourage them. Father, that you would bring a sweet sense of conviction, a godly conviction. I'm not talking about guilt that comes from the enemy or condemnation that comes from him, but, but a sweet conviction where the Holy Spirit comes in and speaks to us tenderly and says, let's get this out of your life. So, Father, I pray for freedom. I pray for deliverance. I pray for any false theology, any wrong arguments, anything that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. Holy Spirit, would you tear it down? Would you tear down any idols? Would you tear down anything that we have allowed to come into the place where you deserve to be the throne of our lives? I pray young and old, from kids in our elementary class who are choosing to go through this fast, may you bless them to the oldest of saints who are in this church. I pray that you would bless them. God, would this church be marked by revival because we are choosing to say, enough of us, we need you. Move in our Wednesday night prayer service. Holy Spirit, we want to be a light to this city. We want our families to be delivered and restored. We need all that you have to offer, Holy Spirit. Enough of us. In 2019, will this be the year that you move like never before? We're desperate for you, God. We need you, Holy Spirit. And if that is your prayer, will you say amen? Amen. Hallelujah, Lord. We love you, God. We love you, God. We love you, Lord. He's faithful, friends.
He's faithful. Every problem that we ever come up against, he will provide a solution. And we have one waiting, prayer and fasting. Join me. Join me and see what God would do. Amen? Amen. God bless you guys. I hope and pray to see you on Wednesday for prayer. We'll see you guys. Take care.